Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome back. Happy Wednesday. This is my second recording of an intro because my first one I just started and felt I was a bit whiny and moaning. I was talking about Wellbeing Wednesday, uh, but it came like whiny Wednesday. And that's kind of not what we're about on the podcast. So I'm back for take two. I'm not going to talk too much at the beginning of the episode. We're going to dive straight in to our conversation with ST. So I'm going to hand over to her and myself. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> and I will be back super quickly at the end. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest ST to the podcast so welcome and if you could introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about you that would be fab. Awesome thank you so much for having me. I'm ST Rappaport a relationship photographer and CJA coach. Um, What's a relationship photographer? It's a title that I made up. It's basically photography for couples. I loved photography since I was a little kid and I saw my favorite part of photography was getting and capturing the emotions of people and that was like really what brought joy to people so I saw the most emotion is with couples and I went in and now I do photography just for couples so sorry if you want pictures for something else but I'm gonna have to say no to you and I'm also the host of the Life Picks Relationships podcast love it get to interview people and pick their brains on relationships And I also do what's called creative journal expressive arts. It uses the non-dominant hand, the hand you don't usually use to write with, to access the other side of your brain. So you're writing with the hand you don't write with, and then you get to understand things that you never understood before. So that's really cool also. Awesome. So we can definitely come back to to your podcast and, and talk about that a little bit later on. But I'd love to dive into the the creative journal arts method and and how that works. And and I'm a bit of a science nerd. Um, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. So I'd love to know more about how it works and why writing with your non dominant hand is so so powerful. Yes. Yeah, so the way it works is like this. Everyone knows there's two sides of the brain, and every side of the brain is in charge of the opposite side of the body. So your right side of the brain is in charge of the left side of your body, and the left side of your brain is in charge of the right side of the body. Now, your left side of, of your brain is in charge of all logic stuff, math, reading, writing, anything having to do logically. And your right side of your brain is all the creative stuff, art, drama, music, and it's in charge of emotions. So when you're writing with your non-dominant hands, you're getting direct access to your emotions because it's in that side of your brain. And you're creating new neuron connections that you never thought of before, that you never used before. So you create solutions, you come up with things that you never thought of before because you're not thinking in the same way that you thought of before. So we do all different exercises with a non-dominant hand to get into that side of the brain. And we use both hands. That way we get to use both sides of the brain. We don't want to go only into the right side. And then we get to gain access there amazing because I suppose when we're thinking normally it's that left side isn't it it's the the kind of logic dominating side and and we don't it's harder for a lot of us to access the emotional side and to really know what we're feeling and and to understand that so yeah so I suppose it gives a way that people can more easily tap into those emotions that 
it's it's harder for us to recognize sometimes and then that ability to integrate the kind of the two and bring them together must be really powerful for people yeah yeah it's really cool because we all know that we need emotions I mean the emotions are part of our life but the emotions are really important some people realize it more than others um how important it is it plays a really big part of a role they're not good they're not bad none emotions they're all neutral and they're there to give us messages and tell us what to do but there's so much going on in life so many ways we were brought up that like taught us like stop crying is just one example of something that tells you not to feel your emotions which isn't exactly the healthiest way because technically if you were in a proper situation you would cry through you would realize what was your problem and you would find the right way to deal with it most people don't grow up like that so it's really really helpful for people to be able to access the technology and to know what to be able to do with it yeah I think you're so right that, that it's quite often as as children when you're crying or you're angry I think anger is the other big one as well isn't yeah. it? it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no 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 you're not angry you're not angry it's fine you're not sad and so then we just learn to kind of bury those emotions and not feel them. And then when we're adults, we're like, what is this? <laughs> like, what's going on? We just, Literally, you know, right? And the number, and, and it's something that I use, and and I know, you know, coaches talk about the feelings wheel, and it just seems a bit mad sometimes, doesn't it, that we have to use a feelings wheel to understand what we're feeling. But we do because, we, yeah, like we've we've pushed them down. So having this way to start tapping into them and being able to bring them up. Yeah. So it doesn't only like get your emotions, it also gives you a better understanding of the situation. So you're not sure why you behaved like that. You could journal it out. You could write with your non-dominant hand. We do all these different exercises. It helps you pull out the information you want so you could understand much better and be able to make better decisions and know what to do and move forward. Amazing. So if someone is, is listening to this and they're kind of wondering, well, how do I, how do I do this? How do I get started? Could you give a couple of tips that, that people can just try out so they can get started with this? Sure. So first easiest thing I suggest people to do is next time you're angry or frustrated or you just like have that emotion in you, don't bury it and push it like you did all the other times. But obviously you don't either want to scream and hurt people and let it out in a not healthy way. So what you could do is you could take a marker, yeah, get become like a kid again, take a crayon, like a thick crayon, and put it in your other hand, the hand you don't usually use to write with, and just scribble and scribble and scribble. You're going to have a major release of emotion because there's so much energy there. So that just like lets it all out. You get it all out on the paper. You acknowledged your emotion. You had it out. And then you'll have a clear brain to think about what to do in a situation. So that's really, really basic. Anyone could do it. You could try it. And it's a very good stress reliever. If you want to take it a bit further is if you're in a difficult situation and you're not sure what to do, draw a picture. It could be a little sketch. It could be like just stick figures of the situation that you're in. So let's say you got into a fight with your coworker about something and you're not sure what to do. Tomorrow's going to be really uncomfortable when you get back to work. Then draw a picture of what happened today at work with your non-dominant hand. Both of you are sitting at your desk. There's a fighting or whatever. Then what you're going to do is you're going to have a conversation between your two hands. Your questions that you're thinking logically, right, is going to be with your dominant hand. Your answers, you're not going to think about them. You're going to let your subconscious mind go to work and you're just going to write. And you're going to have a dialogue and ask whatever you want. You could start with like basic, who are you? I am the fight that I had today with Nancy. How do you feel? I feel taken advantage of. 
Why do you feel this way? And you're going back and forth and you're having a whole discussion. You Anything you want to understand, you're not sure. Anything that you want to tell the other person, you could also do it in the conversation. You're having a conversation between both people, both hands. And then you could understand what's really going on and you'll gain insight on what to do later on. So those are like basic, not to like overload people with so much information at once. Try that. Mm, yeah, I think that they're amazing uh, activities to try. And I think when you when you were first saying about, you know, if you're angry and the non-dominant hand, I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure I'll be able to read it, but just scribbling and just, uh, yeah, letting it out and, and tapping in. Literally think- just scribbling and like emotion. And if you need to use like 20 pieces of paper, that's fine. It's much better than going and yelling at somebody and then afterwards you go and hurt them forever, you know? Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be trying that. I'll get some, I've got some crayons somewhere. <laughs> so I'll take those out. Yeah, crayons are better than markers because sometimes you get so angry and then you like break the markers. <laughs> so markers are better like when you're more calm. Um, but you could also do it with like, if you want to get really creative, you really want to open up your mind and let it out, do it with paint with your non-dominant hand. Or if you're really angry, this is really good, especially if you have a lot of anger built up, is use clay clay or play-doh because that could handle a lot a lot of emotion and tension so you could just like pound the clay and let it all out and you're letting letting it out in a safe way that could handle and take your emotion and the best part about clay is afterwards you could like take it and mess it up and make it into like a nice pretty thing afterwards that nothing happened to it just because you got really angry i'm just thinking i've got um, a blank canvas downstairs just a small one but next time i'm angry I'm going to be looking forward now to getting angry because I'm like, right, I'm going to paint, paint. <laughs> you have to do it when you're angry. <laughs> or sad or some, something. And I'm just going to paint with my wrong, ha- my wrong hand, not my wrong hand, my other hand, my non-dominant hand, and just uh, see what comes out. So, <laughs> yeah, it's really, really cool. It's amazing. I'm just saying that the point is not the art that comes out in the end. If it comes out something really nice and pretty that you want to hang up, hang up afterwards, you could, but it's really the process. So anyone who says they're not an artist, first of all, you are an artist. But even if you think that you're not, then you're you're not making the artwork. You're doing the process of healing yourself. So to make a difference. And I think it's something when we're younger, we we paint, we try all these things, we explore. And then that idea of I'm not an artist kind of creeps in as we get older. And then we're like, I can't do it because it's not going to be this amazing masterpiece but it's not about that it's about the enjoyment of the the process and I think the creative arts are a really powerful way of us processing our emotions aren't they of just letting out what's inside in a a a kind of more I don't know positive way or a less harmful way (laughs) to the people around us yeah and I like what you said because like when little kids they never say they're not artists unless like something really really bad happened at home and they got told off a lot but most four and five-year-olds think they're the most they're drawing the best they don't care what their pictures look like and they're just really proud of it and they go and show it off to everyone so what happened all of a sudden like got too many bad messages and then that's it we think we're bad people you know that's really interesting actually because I um (laughs) when I was younger I played music and I did dancing and me and my sister were put on shows for our parents so we'd make up songs and we thought they were amazing they weren't um, but then I, I stopped doing that and became really self-conscious about performing um, and just stopped doing it and then completely shut it down and then missed that thing that I really enjoyed. And it just made me think, you know, whether there was some something that someone said at some point or that then gave me that message of you're not very good at it. Because before that, yeah, I was just like every week 
we've done a show. We've made a show for you. <laughs> Come and watch it. And that's what children do, isn't it? They look at this amazing thing I can do. And they're just enjoying it and they're, and they're loving it. And it's from somewhere as we get older, we get that kind of social pressure or that concern or that um, being really worried about what people think of us. And then we start to kind of hide these parts of ourselves. Yeah, and it's really interesting because it's really true. That is what happens to us. And if you want to go really deep, like really recovering your inner child and doing taking this work deeper, you could even make a picture of you making a play when you were younger show for your parents and how they were enjoying it and you could journal about it and ask in your conversation right with your non ask the question with your dominant hand and answer with your non-dominant hand why who said something or why do you not like making shows anymore and maybe you'll remember the answer because really it's there and just had so many things that had on top of it and you like blocked it out because you do want to know. But once you know, then you could go and take care of it. Like, hey, so that was that like little neighbor next door who was just really jealous. So made fun of you. So when you're eight, yeah, it makes a big deal. But now in your adult life, you could be like, okay, I could still enjoy these things still. Yeah, I'm da- uh, Yeah, I'm going to try that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> it's a great thing about podcasting. I don't know if you find the same with your show is that you get tips and yes, they're useful for the listeners but you're like oh I'm trying that one and so it feels quite selfish sometimes because you can ask the question literally I'm like okay (laughs) I'm getting all this knowledge for myself everyone like if you're interested in listening you could also yeah (laughs) Yeah, and I suppose because you're if you're the one asking the questions you can go like what am I interested in and it can be quite quite selfish but hopefully everyone listening is getting value from it as well and I'm sure I'm sure they are um yeah, anyone could try. It doesn't have to be the specific making shows. You could do it with why do you not do anything that you used to do? Or it could be literally about anything. Like if you feel like you're cooking, let's say you cook and you feel like your cooking went down and like for some reason you lost your patience in cooking. You could do the same thing for that. Literally any situation, just ask the questions. I am going to say a uh, disclaimer that your body doesn't give you answers. You're not ready for it. So if you do this and you, let's say, make a picture of your show and you're like, I don't know, didn't, don't get any answers. It just like comes up with nothing. Try it again in a few days, a week later or something like that, because your body has to trust the system and it takes time and your body's not just going to go like right away and give you all the answers. So you could do it again. And even if you do get answers and you want to know more about it, you could do it again a few days later and you'll find out even more. And the more you do it, the deeper and more information you could get. I think there's definitely something about getting messages when you're ready to hear them. And even if you like you read something and it just sometimes goes over your head and then you come back to it and you're like, oh, now I get it because you just weren't ready at that, that first time for whatever the message was. Yeah. Like I was all into like personal development and like self-help books, self-help books from when I was like really young. And I never used to read books again, like one book and that's it. Like I got the message and like, I'm not interested. And then like, I don't know, two or three years ago, I would just like pick up a book that I already read five, 10 years ago. And I'll be like, hey, this book says something completely different. I'm in a different place. I understand things differently. And you completely get a whole new understanding of what the book is saying. So, yeah, it's really true. I suppose that's because everything, we put our own meaning on it, don't we? We just, we interpret it our own way. And that's shaped by who we are, our values, our beliefs, our experiences. So as we have new experiences and change and grow, the way that we interpret something is going to change as well because we've changed and regardless of what it says it doesn't really matter because it's how we read it and what we read into it that is kind of how it how it sits with us I guess yeah I think I had the biggest 
um I don't know what it would be called. Like when, when it was like, again, happened again. I'm like, I lost the word for it, but like I would read the book and I did it again. It was books that I do of these, of this method um, by Dr. Lucia Capicchioni. She, she wrote like 23 books of them. And quite a few of her books I did again, literally because the books are so deep and every time you're doing it again and you're opening up new parts of yourself, I got a whole different understanding every single time from doing them. If you do them properly and I'm just like, hey, okay, I'm just doing them. But if you do them because you really do the work in it, it, it's amazing. It's fascinating. Like I could totally continue to go on doing another 10, 20 times, you know? I think uh, you made a, a, another really important point there, <laughs> doing the work when you read it, because I do that sometimes. I read a book and like, oh, that's a great activity. <laughs> they just keep reading. You don't actually do it. And I think, all of these kind of things that actually if you try out the activity and actually do that uh, deeper exploration or, or whatever, that's where you get the answers and you can feel that kind of transformation. But I definitely um, am guilty of doing that, of just reading through and going, oh, yeah, that's a really interesting exercise. I think we all are. <laughs> yeah, but like I tried, like if I know if it's a good book, I know if it's I really want to get out of it and I see that I'm not doing the exercises, then I'll put a pause, I'll put a bookmark by the page that I'm up to with the exercise. And I'm like, I'm not reading any more of the book until I have time to come back, sit down and do this exercise properly. That's the way I do it. The one thing I did, um, I just finished reading uh, The Chimp Paradox, um, which is which is great. And I hadn't really done the exercises we went through. So then I went back through once I'd finished, once I'd had all that knowledge and then go, right, now I'm just going to go through the exercises do yeah so that's it yeah that's really smart so. yeah so another way yeah different brains work different ways you know <laughs> yeah absolutely there's no right or wrong yeah yeah and, and that's something that we definitely say on the podcast about there's no one size fits all approach it's it's kind of trying things out and figuring out what works for you and that in itself is such useful information because we can get really out of touch with who we are and by trying things and then going no that doesn't work for me you're learning about yourself. You're learning what doesn't work. And that is really valuable as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I'd love to know how you got into this this method, how you came across it, how you uh, got into what you're doing now. Sure. So I was doing relationship photography, like I said. Now, when I do photography for couples, I could either just do a photo shoot and that's it. We leave it like that. But what I used to do, I still do, is I would help the couple get into their ultimate state of love and connection and then they would choose their one or two favorite pictures that they love most that shows the most emotion and connection that they want in their relationship they would take it and they would hang it up on their wall like a vision board and it would then set their mind in the right direction that they want to go always have it there in their visioning entering their subconscious mind and it was a great reminder you got into a fight but you see that picture you always know where you're headed to and what you're doing now it's all nice and wonderful and I think it's great but it's very basic so I was looking for more ways that I could go and help people and actually go and take the relationship further and I just like been trying different things hearing about different things and then there was someone who came to my house for the weekend and she's a CJA coach for quite some time already and she was telling me about it and I was like okay this sounds really cool I heard a bit about it before because my siblings went some years ago for like therapists but I wasn't really into it then I wasn't knowing so much what they were doing but as I was speaking to her I was like okay you use your non-dominant hand and you get to find out more about yourself. That is cool. You don't have that every day. And I went some sessions to her first. I was like, okay, before I go into training, before I go and fly across the country and 
spend all that time and money on it, I'm going to first go to her for a bit. So I went for a few sessions with her and I saw what it did for me right away, like literally from the first session. And I realized how powerful it was that I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to do it. And I went, I went to training for it. I actually currently in training for it, but I've been trained enough to work with people. So the past six months, I have been working with couples and it's amazing. It's fascinating to see what happens. And so when you work with couples, do you work with them on an individual basis or do you work with them as as a couple? So I usually work with them together as a couple, but there are sometimes I'll do like some sessions each person separately and then together as a couple. Because the work is a lot in the journal, we do a lot, a lot of work in the journal or on our artwork, separate work. So I'll put them in like two separate sides of the table or two separate places. And you don't have to share. That is one of the things that I love most about this work is so many times people have such a hard time talking. They have a hard time going to therapists and like sharing all their problem and everything that's going on. With this, you don't have to say anything. Everything is in your journal. And if you want, you could share it. If you don't want to, you don't have to. So technically, they're almost like having two separate sessions because they're just writing them things separately. And then there's option if they want afterwards, if they want, they could share with each other. So sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, whatever they feel comfortable with. If they do share, then it's really powerful because... I got a greater understanding of myself. You got a greater understanding of yourself. And when we discuss it, we get a whole new perspective of the relationship. And I imagine that the what you've written is is maybe hugely personal and, um, and maybe quite raw and vulnerable to have it down there. But if you want to share that with a person, but you don't feel able to actually say it, you can give them the, the journal to read, to understand. And as you were talking about that, it made me think of when I was at school, I had a friend and we had a purple journal that we passed backwards and forwards. And we just wrote like to each other in this journal. And it, and it did kind of feel like, like a diary. And then we, we could ask questions and whatever, but you just say about what was going on with, with your life. And it was a really nice thing that we had. And um, to have that dialogue, because sometimes it's easier to put things down in writing than it is to actually have that conversation face to face. Yeah, especially when you do it with your non-dominant hand and you're not thinking. It's very important when you do it, you don't think and you just answer the questions. So that way you're not letting your logic mind like overtake it. So then it's even easier because you're not thinking, you're just writing it. You have to be obviously in the state and in the position to be relaxed and vulnerable and be ready to open because you could hit really deep stuff and get very far but yeah it makes it even easier like you said we don't waste time um okay so i went there yesterday you know like not really sure and no this is what it is and this is how i feel and that's the answer because i suppose our, our logical brain is it's trying to protect us so we'll do all of that skirting around the issue or trying to say it in the right way rather than just letting it out yeah and i like what you just said because it really is it's true your body priority its main goal is to protect you physically um, and emotionally, obviously. And that's why I said earlier, your body is not going to give you answers right away and it's going to have to trust the system and it's going to take time. So even though you're letting your subconscious mind go to work, it still knows that, hey, is this a safe place or not? And you have to prove to it that it is. And that if you do it once and then you show it to someone who's going to make fun of you, then it's not going to trust it anymore. It's not going to work. So you want to keep it a safe place so that way your body knows that it's safe and it could go and open up to it. Hmm. And then you've got this amazing tool that you can go back to this easily accessible way into the subconscious, which is, is something that 
can be hard to access unless you're going to go to you know a hypnotherapist or have a lot of a lot of therapy and this is something you can just do yourself just at home yeah yeah I don't even like for people that don't like subconscious like some people like run away from it they don't like that word so much you know like together with hypnotherapy and stuff like that I just like say okay it's not even your subconscious it's just all the things that's there and you don't have access to because you're making all the logic reasoning it's all your emotion that's there anyways and you know the answers and you're just not getting there that's what it is so if it's easier for you to understand them like that take it like that <laughs> yeah well I think language is a big thing as well isn't it that words can have such <laughs> such meaning for us yeah I think I learned that the most when I was in England I studied in England for two years and there was I literally felt like I learned a whole new language because there were so many words that were different and slang words that we said different ways and things just meant different things as like okay words have power okay everyone <laughs> Yeah, I think it's so true. And I, I always find it really, um, really interesting. And I, I work with uh, American colleagues in my kind of day job. And then I've had a lot of guests on the podcast who who are American. Um, but it is really interesting that the language sometimes is really different. And culturally, sometimes there, there are big differences. And I think, you know, the fact that we were speaking English, you think, oh, it's all exactly the same. But it's not. And I don't know if you ever watched the going off on a tangent now, but it's fine. The like the YouTube videos of people and they'll have like American versus British snacks of like the same thing, or they'll have people guessing like, what is this snack from the name? And I and I've seen them where it's something like what is it, biscuits and gravy, which has a completely different meaning here. And it's just the concept of Brit, you're like, What? Because <laughs> biscuits are sweet. You dip them in like tea, maybe, and then gravy goes like with a roast dinner. So it's really kind of meaty and, and like that's not but it's a completely different thing in the US. So I, I find those quite funny to see the differences in language. That <laughs> Yeah, then it's like a fight. Okay, so whose was right? Americans or British and everybody thinks theirs is right. And you know, as long as you understand each other, you like learn to that. That's the most important thing. That goes like together with, now I'm really going on a tangent and tell me stop if I'm like going off too much. But what I also do on the side, most people really didn't know about it, is I do something that's called Feuerstein. It helps people with their cognitive functions. We all have cognitive functions and some of them are not as functional as others. So it's an amazing method that helps anyone literally from special need to geniuses. And the mediator, like let's say me, the person that I work with a client, well, based on the papers that we do, it looks like a fun sheet. And based on the papers that we do, like help figure out what their brain, like what's missing their brain, almost like what screws are missing and help them get there. And it's like, we connect the dots and we like, there's funny pictures and it's a lot of fun. And one of the first thing we teach, like from when we were in the beginning, is the concept of labels and of names. That as long as you both agree that this is something, like this is a table or this is a phone or whatever it is, then it could be called that. And if I call this a phone and you call this a table, then we're just going to argue for these. And so many fights really are like that. Like you're fighting and fighting over something, but you're just mean different things and your definitions of it is different. So obviously you're never going to come to a conclusion. So first things first, make sure you know what you're talking about and that you're both calling the same things, same things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, so true. And, and I think when you are so committed to your view of what the thing is, then it doesn't matter like how convincing the argument for the other person is. Cause if I know this is a table, it's a table that you are not convincing me otherwise. So we could argue all day, <laughs> but 
If I know it's this. Right, right. So so if I ask you, so why is it a table? And I understand your definition of a table, then I say, okay, so you say it's a table because it has four legs, but I only call a table with something that has three legs, let's say, then we could say like, okay, well, obviously that's why we're not agreeing to it because we both have different definitions of it. Mm. Oh, language is a whole other thing that we could definitely go <laughs> and it go into. It's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? How we, we're talking about something creative, but then we've gone back to the left side of the brain into language. To the logic side. And I'm so not like that. Like while you're saying, talking about language, like I'm not language. Like my vocabulary is really low. I don't know if you noticed it or not. My grammar and spelling is like not something. So like I really connect with the creative side, but for some reason you managed to pull that out of me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm a bit, of, I don't know, I, yeah, I'm quite a logical um, person, although I'm trying to tap into my creative side and, and express that more. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I think. Yeah, well, when you get your canvas done, then, well, you for sure had it in you doing plays when you were a kid. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I've been, been creative through my life. I did um, art uh, at, I guess, like high school and then photography. Uh, I, you know, played a few instruments. So, I, you know, I've been, been creative, but just yeah as I've become an adult sort of stopped doing a lot of that stuff so much of us are like that literally it it, because our world is trained from when we go to school and we do math and we learn how to write our names we're trained to think in our left brain we have even if we have some art and some drama and a bit of like those right brain activities in school there's nowhere near to how much our left brain is so it's really really important that we let it we open it because like so many times people say have creative blocks even if you're in a creative job right like writing which is it uses the the logic part also because you have to formulate the words and stuff but it there's a lot of creativity there and people are stuck so for people like that a lot of times that things suggest take your pen I know you're usually typing but for a minute take your pen put it in your non-dominant hand and start writing with your non-dominant hand that way you'll be using your right side of the brain or whatever anything else you're doing you're feeling stuck and you not sure what to do try to see if you can do something with your other side of your body and open up your creative side of your brain and you'll think of like creative problem solving sort of thing comes from like thinking around the box and trying to figure out solutions amazing so I have some set questions I ask everyone that comes on and I would love to hear your thoughts on these the first one is what brings you joy in your life I love adventure and traveling anything with that brings adrenal adrenaline rush as all things that I do so like now during COVID it's really hard for me that I can't travel but I love 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 just like going everywhere seeing things I don't know, like right before COVID, a little bit before that. Like I went literally two weeks, like six countries, I think. Just packed fun, jumping from into canyons and dog sledding and all those sorts of stuff is just for me. So yeah, brings me joy. (laughs) Just thinking about it, planning for it and doing it. It's awesome. Yeah. What's the best place that you've been to, the best country you've visited? So different countries I like for different things. Like I was on that recent trip. I really liked Morocco for the culture. They're very, very rich in their culture. I was there only for the day. Like I didn't even sleep there. Like I went from Spain and I went there. Um, But I was also in, I also really enjoyed Norway. I went to Norway then also. And that, I really liked the beauty. Like I saw the Northern Lights and their huge, tall snow mountains and just dead quiet no one's there there's a certain beauty in that 
and then there's like really nice fun activities like snowmobiling there and stuff like that so different places have different things i love culture and meeting new people i love it and seeing how different people behave in different languages and things like that but i also love just like having fun awesome so my next question is what makes life meaningful for you so I would say there's two parts to that question. One, becoming a better person, a better version of myself, because I think that's what we are here. We're here to become better than what we were. And I think another thing that really brings a lot of meaning for me is connecting with people and helping them in any way possible. Not in, but more like, not just like I could help them do something for them, although that is nice. Like if I could help them for a few hours, do something, but more help them really that they could live a better life. So let's say like this, I really like doing helping people, how they could take these tools of CJA and bringing it into their lives. So they don't need me afterwards. Afterwards, they could go and take it into them, into their lives and live the best life possible and they could become better people so kind of empowering them with the the tools to be able to to keep making those changes without you being there to do it for them yeah exactly awesome so one of the big topics we we talk about on the podcast is about mental health and, and mental wellness so I have two questions around this for you so the first one is what does mental wellness mean to you okay so it's a bit of an interesting question like I like it because I like questions that get me thinking so I like that question. And I say like this, that I used to not have such a good connection with it. I was like, okay, like, who cares really? Like, move on with life. Um, And then at some point, I was like, okay, if I want a better life, I have to take care of my mental well-being and think in the right ways and do the right things so that way I could live the life I want to live. And so I would do all different things like self-help books, podcasts, courses, all those sorts of things. Um, And I think that helped a lot, a lot recently was a CJA really helped me go much further than most people say, because you could read a book and it, even if you do the exercise, it could help, but it's like minimal. This I found, I really incorporated it into my life and I forever stretching my brain and taking care of my mental wellness. Hmm. Yeah, I think you've answered the second part, which is what you do to look after your own mental well-being. So is there anything on top of the kind of the self-help and this CJA, I can't say it, CJA stuff that you do to look after your well-being? Yeah, I'm like forever, ever doing things that grow. Like I love to learn. I love, love, love learning and anything that will expand my brain in any way, either logically or emotionally, spiritually, physically, anything that like that will get my brain stretching. So if anyone has any good ideas, they could send them to me because I'm always out for the new ones. Like I love to learn and grow, but not just like say it to really try and go into it. Awesome. Yeah. And I think there is something about us as, as people, we, we like to kind of keep learning and growing, but we have this weird thing where we also don't like to change too much. We, we kind of worry of change, but we want to change. And we have, I always find that really interesting that we have that kind of backwards and forwards. Of I think that we have that with almost every trait, obviously some traits, some people are more than others in every trait, but like in one way, place we want to be really giving. And then at the same time, we're takers and it's like with everything. And part of life is like finding the balance and finding the best way possible of moving out of your comfort zone and growing without like crashing and having mm. a whole life fall on top of you. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Uh, so my next question is uh, a bit of a challenge uh, for guests. I always ask 
because uh, we talk about mindset a lot. So I, I challenge guests to try and describe their own mindset. So I actually don't find that such of a challenge. I don't know. I'm not trying to be a big shot, but <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound like that. I really mm-hmm. like that question um, because I think people don't think about it. But maybe for me, it's really easy because I was very conscious about it. Like I said, I used to not think so much about my mindset. And quite a good few years ago by now, it changed. And I and I think it sounds very cliche, but like really positive, not just positive, like, oh, so nice and beautiful, but seeing the situation in the reality and what it is and trying to find a solution. So that goes together with like looking in the future. I'm very big, like looking ahead, plans ahead, goals ahead. We're working towards ahead. So right now we're in a difficult situation, but we're working towards the future. So that is a really big part of my mindset together with finding a way to make things work. Awesome. So already we've we've given people loads of really practical ideas uh, that they can try out. But I always ask guests to leave the listeners with between one and three strategies or tools or, or ideas that they can try out in their life that are going to have a massive impact. So do you have between one and three things that you'd recommend that people try? Sure. First thing I'm going to repeat what I said before of letting out stress, because it's so easy compared to other things that people try to do to let out their you just have to remember to do it but it has a massive massive impact and compared to the amount of work it takes you to do to what actually happens so next time you're feeling stressed scribble out with your non-dominant hand number two i would say is when you're talking to someone anyone especially someone that you want to have a good relationship with and like your partner or your boss or your kids and you really want to be there for them what you want to do is you want to ask questions they're going to tell you something they're going to tell you about their day they're going to tell you something that happened they're going to tell you a sentence you want to ask so many questions that you get a full 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 view a full perspective of what they were saying what happened what caused you to feel like that don't say why because why usually comes very defensive like why did you do that but what caused you to feel like that and you're going to continue asking them and you could repeat it back to them and ask them if that's what you meant. So that way they felt you really heard them, you really care about them and you really understood them. Mm. I, think, I think that's because quite often when we're listening, yeah, we're not really listening. We're listening to respond, aren't we? We're thinking about what I'm going to say back rather than really caring about what the, the other person said. And so, yeah, by doing that shift of really taking the time to understand where they're coming from, that's obviously going to have a massive impact on the quality of your relationship. So my last question is how people can connect with you, how they can find you online if they're interested in working with you or if they want to find your podcast. And if you could tell us a little bit more about your podcast as well, that would be fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so my podcast is all about relationships because like I said, I do all things marriage and couples. I every week speak to two people. They could be everyday people. They could be relationship experts that you know and heard of and I literally pick their brain to find out how you can make your relationship extraordinary so you could listen to where all major podcast platforms life picks relationships and you'll find it there and if you want to find me also social media as life picks relationships and if you want a free mini session like I said I really like helping people just get the tools so they could go and do it by themselves you could go to lifepicksrelationships.as.me and I'll love to speak to you. Awesome. And we can absolutely link to uh, to your social media and uh, to your website on our um, show notes. 
so people can find you on there awesome so, yeah, thank you so much Esty. i've really really enjoyed chatting to you i know we went off on a tangent in a bit but that's fab <laughs> i love having that kind of um yeah just really connecting with people and, and finding out how they work and, um, and where they're coming from so i really enjoyed it so thank you well thank you so much hannah i really enjoyed speaking to you So thank you to ST for, for joining us and sharing uh, all about creative arts journaling, expressive arts journaling. I still can't say it properly, which honestly before this is something I hadn't really heard about um, or talked about. The subconscious is something that I talk about a lot from my from my counselling training. Um, so it's definitely something that I will try. I have not yet tried it. As I said, Monday, this is one of the things where I'm like, oh, I'm going to give that a go. And I have used my canvases, but not for scribbling. Um, so I, uh, if you follow me on Instagram, um, particularly my personal page on Instagram, you may have seen that I have started creating poor art, uh, P-O-U-R art. So it's using acrylic paints and pouring medium, which basically makes it really runny and so that the colors don't mix together in, in, in the way that they kind of normally would I think um but basically you kind of layer up the colors in a cup and then pour it on the canvas and then you just kind of maneuver it around so it, it ends up pouring over the sides and you're left with this covered canvas and I'd seen it and I thought that looks cool that looks fun I'm gonna try it um and now I've made eight paintings so far and I've used to pull my paints, all my canvases um, and definitely got the bug. So uh, it's, I haven't been able to scribble on my canvases because I've painted on them, but it's something I love doing. Um, I'm definitely going to do some more. Who knows, May maybe I will start gifting them or selling them. Who knows? But if you're interested to see those, you can uh, check out my personal Instagram, uh, which is hannah.stainer hannah h-a-n-n-a-h it's a palindrome dot stainer s-t-a-i-n-e-r um and you can see basically my personal instagram is paintings now my dog and wild swimming like sunrises uh so oh and and pizza (laughs) homemade pizza or other homemade food so if that's the kind of thing you're interested in uh you can follow that as well so I haven't tried that. And I also realised, I didn't realise it at the time, but realised when we listened back to this, that we're talking about using your non-dominant hand and kind of dominant hand and defaulting to the non-dominant hand being the left hand. So having that bias, that right hand bias, that the majority of people are right-handed and and that that's kind of the norm. Even though uh, in my family, my mum is, well, ambidextrous, my sister is left-handed, um, yeah, so anyone who is left-handed that's listening, actually one of my closest friends is left-handed that's like, well, what about me? Then, sorry, one, for completely skipping over your existence uh, in this conversation. And actually, I'd be really intrigued to to know how it works uh, if your non-dominant hand is the right hand. Maybe you are more creative and so it will help you tap into the logical side maybe it's just that process of kind of mixing up that you're tapping into different parts of yourself um I also think we we still sort of talk about left and right brain but it's not as clear-cut a division as as we often talk about that actually the brain 
really does work together and uh, it isn't as separate as we as we often talk about with left and right brain but again as with everything on the podcast the the tips the advice I would encourage you to try it for yourself if you are stuck on something um you can't see it you're, you're just kind of stuck with how you're seeing something maybe this is a way of tapping into a different way of thinking a different part of your brain to see if that helps uh, maybe it's a great way whether you use your dominant or non-dominant hand or both getting your emotions out on paper it's one of these things to to try and I haven't yet but to be honest I haven't really felt angry <laughs> since we recorded this not like angry so if I do I will I'm definitely going to be doing some scribbling or throwing paint around uh, or something like that but um yeah, thank you to ST for, for coming and sharing that method. And I really enjoyed the conversation generally about creativity, about language. We kind of went off on that tangent. And actually, an interesting thing, I mentioned Nate on Monday, it's his birthday. Um, but he commented on the fact that I often talk about waffling on the podcast, which um, I'm guessing maybe is a more British term. Uh, it's not to do with waffles, the foods, food source, uh, food source, food stuff. Uh, it is, yeah, I guess a Brit term for just kind of chatting on and on. You kind of waffling on about something. So it's something that I use. Um, but again, that's you know, I don't know whether I change my language massively depending on what guests are on and where they're from. Uh, but there will be British sayings, and actually, something interesting that I've noticed. When I've appeared on other people's shows, I tend to use some very British metaphors, like not everyone's cup of tea and like Marmite, and these kind of sayings, which hopefully everyone kind of understands what they're about, but um, quite British, I think. So language, if I, if I say anything, you're like, what are you on about? Let me know. Um, I try to not use too much jargon. And actually, what was really nice uh, that... I really appreciated that SD brought up was this idea of those definitions that we can have an argument with someone because we're working to different definitions of what a word means or have a different kind of starting point. We think we're talking about the same thing, but we're not. And I think that happens so, so often. And that's why one of the things that I like to do when we have guests on, um, I did it on Monday with Adam, we talked about mentoring, is asking him, you know, what does that mean to him when he uses that term? What is he referring to? Um, and it's something that I've tried to do and have been, the interviews I've been recording that are kind of in the bank to come out in the future, making that point of, if we're talking about this thing, what do you mean by it? So we're all kind of on the same page, whether it is, a kind of technical term or just generally you know what do we mean by self-care what do you mean by self-worth what do we mean by this because we might all have different definitions and actually my set questions I think really throw that up because joy meaning mental well-being mindset you know those words and we get such a variety of responses and answers to what they mean and how we interpret them how we perceive them and it's it's one of the reasons I ask those questions one I'm a bit nosy <laughs> I like to hear people's ideas and perspectives but I also find it really interesting that, that variety of responses and interpretations of the same words hopefully you find it interesting as well uh, occasionally I throw in bonus questions related to what people said like what's your superpower or you know what something in particular means to them. Um, if there are other questions that you think would be good to throw in, 
let me know because we you know we're now over a year old uh we are what in the mid late 60s now with episodes so I've been asking the same questions all the way through I like them but maybe it's time to sort of mix it up a little bit and throw something else in the mix so if you have suggestions if you have suggestions for guests that you'd love to have on the show any of that stuff please do drop me a message at psyche coaching and let me know so psyche coaching psy khe coaching i'd love to hear from you i love getting your feedback and hearing what you think of the show and as always please do rate and review and share the podcast if you have enjoyed it. And as I said, late 60s, actually, we're hitting the 70th, 70th episode this is. I am like way out of my counting. Um, that's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, don't worry, we're not going anywhere because I we are going up into the like 120 with interviews that are already scheduled or recorded. So um, we're in it for the long haul. Hopefully you are as well. Next week on Monday, I'll be back. I'll be joined by Bill McPhee, who shares with us his experience of living with schizophrenia. And so Bill shares his experience and then the kind of advocacy uh, work that he now does. And uh, this is one that um, I loved having the conversation and one that's quite uh, important to me, I guess. One of my my grandmothers uh, was schizophrenic. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really important conversation to be having and so I enjoy these episodes where we kind of bring it back to mental health and and raising that awareness and challenging misconceptions that is a big part of the podcast as well as providing this more general mental well-being advice that we can all use to boost our well-being and look after ourselves so I'm really excited to share that with you next week so I'll be back on Monday I hope you have a great week please look after yourself be kind to yourself be kind to other people take care of yourself and i will speak to you monday bye <laughs>